So how can you be intentional about your product career? Of course, you need a plan and there's so many paths to take. So the question becomes, how would you know which one to take to serve you the best? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about my guest in this episode, uh, Lauren Chan Lee on her framework called Product Decagon. Now, Lauren is a product leader, speaker, and advisor. Over her career, she's worked on almost every product area from front-end to back-end, desktop to mobile apps, buyer to seller, and discovery to payments. Uh, Lauren has a passion for empowering women and connecting people, and is an active speaker and mentor throughout the Bay Area product and startup community. So get ready, guys, for a very interesting chat with my guest, Lauren, on her framework, Product Decagon. Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Shirazian, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. Awesome, Lauren. Well, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to PM Hub. Thank you, Cyrus. I'm so excited to be here. Definitely, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners will be as well, because you're going to just introduce them you know, to a very new cool framework out there that you've created, Product Decagon, that we're going to talk about product journeys and career journeys for product managers. Uh, so I'm excited to get into it and talk more a little bit about your framework. But before we get into it, as you know, product is so different and uh, the backgrounds are so different. I'm curious to know what was your background before you uh, kind of like switched into product and how did you kind of like make your moves along your journey up until where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. Every product manager I've talked to has a slightly different twist to the story. For me, you know, it really started off where I was very naive coming out of college. I thought that, you know, as a fake engineer, as I call myself, that there weren't any jobs at tech companies unless you were actually sitting there coding all day. And so I thought that the only jobs I could do were either investment banking or consulting. And that's exactly what I did. I interned in investment banking. I went full time into consulting. And then finally, after you know working for a couple of years, I realized that, well, actually, like tech companies need people to do marketing. They need people to do finance. There's a lot more than just engineers. So at that point, I went back to business school. I really focused on transitioning into tech. And I landed my internship during my MBA at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Really cool time to uh, be in the group that I was in, which was focused on mobile. It was like 2009, 2010, mm -hmm. when not everybody had a smartphone in their pocket. Um, and so, it was really cool. I got to work in strategy, analytics, and operations on their mobile product. Did that for a little bit and then um, went over to StubHub on the strategy and corporate development team. And I was very lucky to work on a project there where I did all the normal like strategy stuff of figuring out, you know, what market we should go into to expand internationally. And then when it got greenlit, there was no team in place to actually build it out. So mm -hmm. I got to actually go and step out of that pure strategy role and actually help launch our business in the UK. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was like that turning point when I realized that I loved strategy. I love thinking about, you know, the big problems for the business, 
But I actually wanted to do more than just make recommendations. I wanted to be able to actually go and implement them, to go build them. And uh, I realized what a thrill it is when you actually launch something live into the world. So that was my journey. From there, I switched into product and have been doing it ever since. Very cool, very cool. Actually, it's very interesting. So you studied engineering, right? Yeah, I was a management science and engineering major. Okay, okay. The reason I ask is because it's very funny because I'm also, I'm also an engineer. And after school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I tried investment banking, like you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> and then into consulting, tried a little bit, and then it's so funny you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I think saw you smiling when I was saying that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You can kind of like try all this like, you know, buzz kind of like careers out there, like, you know, investment banking, consulting, and kind of like you did your, you know, uh, kind of like you had your, uh, you know, the test and run and kind of like see it, see how it's like, you know, testing waters. And then from there, you kind of accidentally stumble into product management. And that's, that's awesome. The way you kind of like, you know, discovered this, this journey. That's awesome. So, and I think maybe it's got to do something because you seem to be very career focused. Maybe I'm, I'm making some guesses right now, but I'm, I'm assuming that the reason, one of the reasons at least that you put this, uh, framework product Decagon together could be because you're very career focused and want kind of like a, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm guessing that it was solving a personal <laughs> kind of like for yourself and then you wanted to expand it. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, I've always been somebody who likes to have a plan, right? And your plans can change, but I just feel a lot more anchored when I know that I'm working towards something and I'm intentional about how I spend my time. So for me, you know, I think one of the things that was hard when you joined the working world versus when you were in school was because the future path started to look a lot less clear, right? When you're in school, it's like pretty straightforward. If you get good grades, you can go to a good school, like blah, blah, blah. Um, but in the working world, there's so many choices out there. There's so many different paths that you can take that it's hard to know what you want. And it's also hard to articulate that. And one of the things I realized once I started working and also especially when I became a manager was that even if you wanna help you know, folks on your team, if you don't know what they want and they can't express it, then it's really hard for you to help them, right? You kind of have to be able to say like, hey, I'm trying to get to X. I wanna do a project with Y. And then it becomes way easier for your manager or whoever else around you to to activate and help you. I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I felt that myself many, many times and uh, totally, totally see where you're coming from. So that's great. So what is Product Decagon in a nutshell? And I'm curious to know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, how, how did the... I'm curious to know, like how you mentioned as a at the point in your career when you became manager, you kind of like became obvious. What were there any other reasons, and uh, that you created this? I'm curious. A little bit more history about product Decagon would be great. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I created it to make this framework for how you can plan your career development. I think, especially with PMs, um, especially like in past years, there was a lot of uh, lack of clarity on exactly 
what a PM does. And even from company to company, that term could mean different things. So for me, it was a way to distill like what I had seen at my prior companies, what I had seen from, you know, reading, talking to other PMs, and to really be able to express that into a common language. So, you know, PMs, we're kind of at the intersection of engineering, design, and business. So do we need to be able to code? Do we need to be able to do wireframes? Like, do we need to uh, do SQL queries, right? Like all of those were like questions that I had heard from other people. Um, and so I wanted to really pull out like, what are the important parts of each of those disciplines that we as PMs need to bring to the table? You know, PMs are generalists, but what do we actually need to have skill set in? What's really important for us? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really that, you know, desire to like have a tool where I could use it to talk to my manager about where I wanted to develop. I could give it to my teams. So they had a way to express it to me. Um, and it's, uh, you know, kind of the idea of like, who are you today and what does the future you look like? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see that's And that's, that's, and it's very interesting because if we, you know, think about any product, we're pretty much doing similar things for that as well from a strategy perspective, right? Where are we today in our product, in the market, and with our customers, and when do, where do you want to be? And then that roadmap that we put together, it seems like there's a lot of similarities in a way. You're kind of like PM in your career. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's hard, I think, uh, to not want to PM your career if you're a PM, right? <laughs> you're just using your own skills. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's like it comes very natural. It's I, tell, I can totally see that. And in fact, I was talking with one of my other guests, and uh, he was talking about the PMs. Like the reason, one of the reasons that you know PMs could be very successful is because it's like a mindset. It's not just it's kind of the way they live their lives, and uh, it just comes very natural to them. And that's why they could it could really help them, you know, make good decisions uh, for product decisions and kind of like in their career because it's just, it's just in everyday life they kind of like they're PMing their life every day and every quarter and every year, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I am a big believer that product and design thinking can incorporate in all different areas of your life. I actually write uh, about it um, pretty frequently, especially now that we're in the pandemic and at home all the time. Um, but like, for example, there was this time when there's this big giant spider up on the ceiling of our living room. And my son, you know, he was in kindergarten at the time. He decided he was going to get it, but he was way too short, couldn't reach it. And he had an idea for a design of how he could reach it using like a foam roller and a tissue box. Um, and I could see like there was an obvious flaw of the design just from the start. But I was like, you know what? I should just let him try it, test it. It'll fail. And then he'll iterate on the design and he'll get there. Right. Like that kind of element of like product and design thinking that like, oh, you know what? It's OK if like he does it and the initial V1 version isn't successful. 
he'll realize like he did not hit his KPI and mm. he can try again and tweak it and AB test it. And he, he eventually got it. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's, that's, uh, that's exactly his product in action, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I use them as guinea pigs all the time. <laughs> Nice, nice. That's that's and that's the thing, right? And when it comes to kids, it's just so creative, right? So that's uh that's awesome. Yeah. So let's dive a little bit deep into this decagon that he created. So what is each angle of this decagon is about, Lauren? Yeah, so of course a decagon is a shape that has ten sides. So the decagon has ten slices or angles, as you call it. And each of those slices represents one of the skills that I think comprises a PM. So um, I think one of the key things to remember is that not everyone's decagon should look the same, right? Even between you and I, Cyrus, maybe we both did investment banking and consulting, so maybe we have some similarities in our decagon, but you know, your aspirations for where you wanna go with your product career, they might be different than mine. And so like the shape of our web should look a little bit different. So for each slice, the process is like, you assess where you are today. You know, are you a beginner for that skill? Are you uh, advanced? Are you like teaching people? Like, where are you on that scale of like, how experienced, how much skill you have? Um, and then also think of it in terms of who's the person that you want to be like in the long term. It's up to you how you want to define that, right? It could be like a year from now. It could be five years from now. It could be like your ultimate career destination. However you want to think of the time frame, it's up to you. Um, but you also plot that on the Decagon. And then what you can do is see, hey, for this skill, let's say communication, I'm a novice, but if I want to become a CEO, I've got to be expert, right? Um, because I'll be talking to investors, the board, all the employees. Um, and so all it does, it helps you see where those gaps are, right? So that you know, okay, okay I need to focus on improving my skill set in communication, but I'm already like, above the curve on where I need to be for analytical skills. So maybe I don't need to spend my career development time on analysis anymore. So that's basically what the Decagon is. And I'm happy to talk about each of the 10 skills. Do you want me to go into it? Yeah, that? let's do it. I'd love <laughs> to, yeah. Sounds very exciting. So, uh, the first one, you know, is really product discovery and execution. So that's what I call the product fundamentals, right? All the things that every PM should be doing, regardless of whether you're a junior PM, or maybe if you're, um, you know, a very senior leader, you might not be hands-on with that every day, but it's the whole process of, you know, understanding your users, identifying what their most important needs are coming up with solutions for those user needs, prioritizing them, and then working with engineering and design to deliver them all the way through the product life cycle. That's the product fundamentals bucket. The second skill is um, 
Well, these aren't really in a particular order, um, okay, but okay, right. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter how, but um, the second one that was next on the list is people management. So, and this one is, you know, really not unique to PMs, but generally speaking, uh, those earlier in their career, you would start as an individual contributor, as you progressed in your career, like people usually come to a point where they either decide, I want to go the path where I remain an IC, but I'm an expert. Um, a lot of times that's like really common in engineering. For example, you might have like a principal engineer designation or something like that. Um, or you take the people management path and then you start to develop your skill in growing people and growing teams, managing organizations. So that's the second skill, people management. The third skill is leadership. This one I think is super important to PMs at any level because, you know, even the most junior PM, you're working with your scrum teams. You need to be able to understand how to inspire and motivate them. How are you going to like communicate the vision to your team so they understand what it is so that they're excited they're intrinsically motivated that, you know, when that time comes, when you have a tight deadline, that they're going to want to put in the extra hours to get it done, not because you ask them to, but because they are inspired. Love so that. that's the leadership. Fourth one is communication. Um, it's very tied, I think, to leadership, but, you know, how do you influence, how do you convince stakeholders that uh, the way you've prioritized the roadmap is the right way? Um, how do you bring along, you know, the designers on your journey and help them think through the different use cases that you've uh, come to them with? And communication, I think, for PMs is comes in many different forms, right? You have to be effective, not just in email, but also in Slack. You have to be effective, whether you're presenting um, just in like a stand up meeting or if you're presenting to a larger group in a company, you need to uh, be able to communicate and share your thoughts across like all the different mediums. So that's the communication function. So moving on to the fifth skill is strategic thinking. And this is one where, um, you know, I think it becomes more common and more important the more senior you become in your career. Uh, when you're at the more junior levels, you know, one of the differences is that the roadmap or your priorities are more defined for you, right? It might be defined by your manager or uh, at like the product functional level. And so to some extent, what you're working on is handed to you. When you become more senior, you're the person who's responsible for figuring out what the team should be spending their time on. And so one of the hard things to manage and balance is like how you think about, you know, balancing for short term versus long term wins. How do you prioritize that? How do you balance between um, a big opportunity versus risks? Um, and so really being able to think about 
what your users want, what your competitors are doing, and understand how the market works is important to how you can bring that strategic thinking into your product work. Next one is user empathy. So hopefully this one shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's in product, but you know, one of the key things we talked about was that as a PM, you need to be able to understand your users and their needs. And um, not only that, but like, you know, have some fluency in the different techniques that you would use to gain that understanding, right? So there's a variety of different qualitative as well as quantitative techniques that you could use. You could be in the room doing a user interview with your customers. Um, so uh, just familiarity with like the whole like bag of tricks when it comes to getting to know your users. Oh yeah. Moving on down the list, we have analysis. Um, so in, especially in companies that are like more business oriented, that can be extremely important to be able to build your business case for why you think that XYZ product feature should be built, right? So um, being able to get into the data uh, and manipulate that to draw insights from it and use that data to explain the story of why this is something that's important to do for your users. That's mm -hmm. what's important for analysis from a product perspective. Yep. And then uh, the last couple ones, you know, technical fundamentals. So um, I don't believe that PMs need to be able to code. I think that you need to be able to have fluent conversations with engineering to understand, you know, what goes on um, on the engineering side, what's in the tech stack. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that you need to be able to like go in there and give them tips on, you know, how they're writing their code. Yeah. And so what's important, I think, for PMs to get out of the technical fundamentals is how do the decisions that I make affect the complexity of the product from a technical perspective, right? Um, a lot of times when you are coming up with user stories or requirements, like you have some choices, you could do it this way or that way. And being able to like foresee what some of the technical complexity might be if you pick option A or B, that I think is really, really useful for just fast tracking some of your decisions and conversations with engineering. Right now. Similarly, you know, with design fundamentals, being conversant in design, you know, what are best practices when it comes to user experience, user interaction, um, and being able to have, you know, meaningful conversations where I think a lot of times the design relationships that I've had that have worked really well are ones where we're able to have a little bit of like, sparring or like back and forth because um, designers want to get your feedback on their ideas and you want to give them um, things to think about uh, but then also you know of course understanding where the lines of ownership are um, so just you know again being conversant just like you would with engineers so that you can also 
have great productive conversations with designers. Yeah. And finally, the last skill that I have on there is like new technology. So technology is always changing, right? That's like one of the fun parts that I think a lot of us really enjoy about being in the industry. So it's really important to be able to like keep up with what are the trends to always be thinking about, is this something that I should think about for my product? Is it something that could be used for the benefit of my users? And a lot of the times, like the answer should be no, right? Because ideally you aren't coming to your roadmap with like, these are the technologies I want to build. You're coming with like, these are the problems that I want to solve. But you need to, you know, keep on the edge of innovation so you do know what's out there and available and possible. So the last skill is new technologies. Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like yourself, and I'm thankful for your support. Now, let's head back to the show. Wow. That's like, uh, <clears throat> seems like very, very comprehensive from like you're covering all different angles that, uh, you know, one can think of about product. And I love how it touches on, you know, anywhere from a product development life cycle that you have up there to people management, stakeholder management and communication. And uh, also it all the way comes down to dealing with data, you know, having that customer centricity and uh, the tech side, especially the one you mentioned on technical side. I think that's a huge debunk for a lot of folks out there, especially aspiring PMs that are listening. It's uh, thinking about, oh, do I need to code? And it's still a question comes up. And I, th I think you really explained that well. It's just most about, you know, how it impacts the decisions for, for your product and the trade-offs between leveraging different technologies into it. And uh, <clears throat> so this this makes perfect sense to me. All, all of this are very well thought out. And especially the one, Lauren, on communication, I can think of, you mentioned on how, how you write the Slack message. I, uh, like I've had first experience in this, like working with remote teams, like since COVID. And uh, it's a whole different the style of you know, writing it because you know when you when you meet your colleagues in person and then you know they know you get to know your personality and they know how you behave it kind of like they know your manners and everything else and it's easy to just kind of like follow up in a quick message whereas like you know on slack when you haven't met the person in person yet and you just onboard it it's a whole different level of communication that you have to put in so they don't take it they don't because you can there are so many ways you can read into you know, a piece of communication, right? So mm -hmm. would you say out of all these, like I'm curious to know, uh, like and how, how product management is shaping, you know, after it's like a lot of companies going remote and will likely stay remote. Uh, would you say the importance of some of these like would, would be highlighted compared to the others? Yeah, I, I definitely think that remote like adds that extra wrinkle of challenge, right? Like as you mentioned, never meeting a team in person and just having to rely on the written word to convey. It's a, it's a lot more challenging, I think, than um, if you are face-to-face. -face. Um, a couple tips I would have is like, first of all, you know, even being remote, now Zoom and other video conferencing tools are like so common that that is absolutely important in the onboarding process to get to know the team, to 
meet people um, just so that they do at least like have from the video, like the face to face. And maybe they can get a little bit of a sense of like what your sense of humor is like when you might be sarcastic instead of serious in your Slack messages. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think definitely take advantage of video conference as you need to. Then I think the second tip would be that um, to be very like, conscientious of when you're using what tool and when, right? I think um, if you are trying to have like a longer, more in-depth conversation, then Slack is probably not the right channel for that. Um, just because, you know, there's so much back and forth, it can be really hard to track a thread all the way through. So if you know that like you're gonna have 10 follow-up questions on something, then, the way I would use Slack would be to reach out to the person, you know, see if they're free to chat and then maybe even jump on a Slack call or something like that where we can actually just have the conversation instead of trying to send Slack messages back and forth. Um, so just having awareness of like what channel you're using and how that fits whatever message you're trying to convey. Yeah, that's actually super smart how you categorize it that way. And I like definitely like that approach. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind when I go about and kind of like try to fill out my decagon to figure out, I guess, what my shape is when it comes to uh, these uh, 10 different skill sets uh, in terms of like my uh, skill set and expertise. The first thing that comes to my mind is like, okay, there's this concept of like, you know, uh, pointy product managers in a way in their skill sets. They're good, they're good in a few areas versus there's some of the others that kind of like, uh, it's a little more flat skill sets. And uh, so one, one of my other guests actually mentioned to me the other day that one of the best tips he's got has been uh, one of his, from one of his mentors that he mentioned to him that focus on your strengths more than your weaknesses as it comes to it. So um, if I want to bring this all together with this decagon and the shape is going to be like, like, what, what are your thoughts into it as different levels of PMs and seniority? Like, is it, do you believe in a more flat skill set kind of like across all these different 10 areas or do you think pointy is better? What are your thoughts on that? I think it totally depends on what you want to be, right? So, and that's where your long-term vision comes into play, right? So if I want to be head of product, that's going to look different than if I want to be like the best like machine learning PM, right? So depending on what your aspiration is, you should be spiky in different areas. Um, I don't think that, you know, you should be great at every single thing around the 10. Um, like you were saying that this is a very comprehensive set of skills. It totally is. And so, I think that we have to dispel that notion that like, if I want to move up the ranks, I have to be great at everything on this list. No, I think the power of this framework is to help you see, you know, for where you want to go with your career, what skills you need to have a lot of where you need to spike and really focus on those ones and be able to say to the other skills like, oh no, I actually don't need to spend time on it. So it's to help you to like deprioritize things that aren't really important to getting you to where you wanna go. 
Definitely, yeah. And um, my next question is actually on the sanity check. Let's say, <clears throat> are there any typical shapes that uh, you kind of like you you're able to kind of explain? Like you mentioned, I touched upon it, like when you were going through it. But then, let's say if I want to be a CPO at some day, right? Uh, mm-hmm. How would I know in what in what areas should I need to focus on? Is there a typical shape for the CPO in the product decagon that uh, is out there? Yeah, I think you could come at it like a couple different ways. One is like you could think about within the context of like your own organization, think about your head of product and try to like map out what you think their skills are. Mm-hmm. And then you could also take like a more general frame, right? So maybe you won't be at that company for like the rest of your life. Uh, maybe you'll be head of product somewhere else. And so maybe pick some product leaders that you respect, that you really like their career arc, and also try to map out like where you think they lie on the different skill sets. And you think when you start to look at a couple different examples like that, then you'll be able to see what like the trend is in terms of what's most important for where you're trying to go. You know, if you're gonna be ahead of product, then things like all the soft skills are going to be really important. Leadership, communication, people management, strategic thinking. And, you know, I think some of the other more technical stuff is still important, but maybe a little bit less important for you than um, somebody who, you know, wants to be an expert in one area. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes uh, perfect sense to me. Now, I'm curious to know if you'd uh, be open to share some of the examples because you mentioned you developed this when you became uh, a people manager as, as a, a product leader. I'm curious to know if you're open to share some of the examples that uh, some of your team members that leverage this product Decagon and how it impacted their career. Yeah, I wrote this out when I was at care.com and rolled it out to the whole product group there. And I was really excited because uh, one of the team members, she just jumped on it right away. She and her manager both embraced the framework and they even like um, enhanced it, you know, beyond what I even like had suggested to them. So um, not only did she do her self-assessment, but then she actually did a 360 assessment and asked some of her cross-functional partners to rate her as well. And by the way, that's like a really great way to understand if like your sense of yourself is true or not, right? I think a lot of times um, people actually underestimate their own skills. Uh, People are very humble and, you know, you tend to like magnify your own weaknesses. So you actually see yourself at a lower level than what other people see you at. Um, So doing this 360 is a great way to just kind of like have an error check against it. Mm. Um, But yeah, they did the 360, they did the self-assessment, and then they were able to hone in on an area of the Decagon that they wanted to help her develop, which was around people management. And they developed a plan to work on it. So um, actually, it turned out that the timing worked out. There was an opportunity to hire 
on that team. And so they were able to actually have her manage somebody. And, you know, of course, some of what happens in your career is always going to be a little bit of like luck and timing. But I believe that like, if you have the planning in place, so you know what you want, that just increases your chances of being successful. Um, And so I, you know, what I heard from them was that because she had used the Decagon, you know, worked on this development plan, that her expertise level in this area actually moved up by two levels Uh in about a year. So her career definitely moved closer to her vision of being a product management leader because she put in the work to use the framework and work to build her skills. Yeah, that's it. No, that's that's uh, that's super cool, and as I'm I'm sure you're also super happy to see people like using and leveraging their careers with this uh, framework that you put together. So thanks for doing that. Uh, yeah, super excited whenever people use it. Um, just the other day, actually, somebody that I work with emailed me and said, hey, I can't find your deck. Like, can you send it to me? I want to bring it to my new company. So oh, wow. um, I just love that, that, you know, it's helping more people be able to be successful in their career. That's why I created it. And it's so good to see it being used. Yes, yes, no, for sure. Now, Lauren, how, how do you uh, help product teams out there? I'm curious, because you do some cool stuff on the side, right? Yeah, I um, I do a little bit of a lot of things. <laughs> so, um, you know, through some of like this speaking stuff, I, I also um, host some workshops with companies so I can take them through, you know, a more in-depth version of the product decagon or about decision-making. Um, I also work with product teams as a interim product leader or, um, work with them on, you know, specific projects, like their product strategy that they're trying to think through. So, um, pretty flexible. There's a lot of different ways that I can work with companies. Um, and you can find out all about it uh, at my website, which is laurenchanley.com. Also has a lot of resources for you to just read more of my articles and find videos for my YouTube channel. So a lot of uh, good stuff there if you just want to up your PM career. Awesome. This is this is very great. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking. I just realized today is International Women's Day and what a good coincidence to have you on the show. Uh, and it's, I'm sure there's a lot. It's a lot of inspiration for other uh, women in tech as well. So thanks again for coming on the show and talking about your product deck again. Thank you for having me on the show. And um, I don't think you can actually see my shirt in this screen, but um, I'm actually wearing my RBG shirt today. Oh, wow. Look at that. To honor her for International Women's Day. So. Nice. 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 <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. That's it for this episode of PMH Podcast, guys. If you enjoyed it, definitely feel free to share with your audience and on social media. Leave a five-star review so we can reach more audience. And if you have any comments and suggestions, definitely send me an email to cyrus at productmanagerhub.org. Now, you can get all the tips and action items for this episode for free at this bit link I'm going to give you. It's bit.ly forward slash pmhub37. 
also subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. I'm Cyrus Shirazian, and until next show, stay safe and healthy.